knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. World Series time, getting underway today, the main event, today, tomorrow, and Wednesday as we do the show here. Fourth of July is going to be the third opening day, and uh, we had a brief discussion, Joe, about this uh, last week that uh, I thought that um, day three, normally the biggest day, may not be this year because people may want to get those first two days in and get that done. I thought it was pretty good scheduling, actually. You still think that'll be the biggest day? Absolutely it will be because, you know, listen, your mindset for when you go in for a tournament, especially if especially if you're going to, uh, you know, if that's your strategy to come in on the third day, see see what you're up against, how many players are still left from days one and two. Um, you know, I know it's the 4th of July, great holiday for us here, but, um, you know, once the schedule came out, I'm sure the poker players made it. If there is an impact on it, I think it's going to be extremely minimal really? as, as far as that's concerned. Yeah. How, about, how about overall numbers? Quick question of what you think we'll be up this year. I mean, we now have online poker in three states with a fourth still to come. Uh, they now are have their pools co-mingled, so the, the games are bigger. Numbers are, seem to be picking up. Uh, there's probably more satellites and stuff to give away online. There was three very popular online tournaments as part of the series. Uh, a the, bigger main event this year? I I believe the numbers will probably be slightly up, just like they were last year. They were up about what three, four hundred players, right. I believe, I from the year 68, before. Right, sixty-eight, sixty-eight hundred from sixty-three so. the year before. Yeah, something like that. And I I think they'll probably get close to seven thousand this year. And I'll be honest with you, we'll find the impact of those satellites, the you know, online satellites. Now that they've got other states that are involved in it, you know that used to be a big way of getting people when we had you know all the online poker sites here that were were you know playing at that time in the United States. If that number goes to seventy two seventy three hundred then we'll know that those i i believe that'll be attributed to the uh satellite uh you know online satellites that you know are starting to come back and everything i i believe that this this will inch close to seven thousand you know it'll go up again to three hundred from the year before i just see that's the trend that i believe it's going to and um i mean i don't think we're ever going to see those numbers that when jamie gold until Online yeah, poker not. becomes legal in the United States and in, in, in just about all the states. Right. Then you'll see those numbers reaching that because this is still everybody's bucket list tournament. And like I said, now that there are more venues for you to be able to, to try to satellite your way in for small amounts of money, I, again, the numbers, once the numbers are out after after day three, you know, if it inches past seventy two, seventy three hundred, I think that's going to be attributed to the online satellites. Um, and I just will. I believe those numbers will continue to grow because you and I have discussed this on the show, Dave. That you know, there's other states now with the legal gambling and everything else. You know, if you get another one or two or three states over the, the course of next this coming year, I'm sure they're going to find a way to commingle with with, well, with Nevada, and that will just continue to to, yeah. to bring 
people into the well. Hopefully event. that will happen. I know there's some, been some struggles right now in Pennsylvania for for them going online because the taxes that some of these legislators have put on online poker has been so high. Uh, they're not getting the response that they thought they were going to get from people wanting the sites because they feel like the way it's set up right now that they can't make a big profit. So we'll see what happens with that. A couple other states are, are moving forward, and hopefully something will happen this summer. Um, a little later, we'll talk about the poker. Um, the Poker Players Alliance kind of dissolved, but they actually got picked up by Poker po- Central, uh, and it's called the Poker Alliance. Alliance. I, yeah, I got an thing. email we'll from a, them this yeah, week. Yeah, we'll you talk too? a little bit about that. That's a, kind of exciting that there's still a yep. grassroots organization to promote the game. Uh, but we'll see what happens uh, this year with um, a lot of the things, and there's a lot more TV coverage this year, ESPN, ESPN2. Uh, the next three nights are on for about six hours of the main event opening day. So we'll see a lot of coverage of, of the main event. And then, of course, the shows later in the year that they uh, get into more of the social aspects of the game and, and some of the background stories. But uh, there'll be plenty of stuff. Poker Go has a lot of the action, and I'll run down some of the schedule a little bit later on. But I'm looking forward to a, to a big series, a bigger series, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and like I said, you know, I love the fact that the final table is, you know, what is it, like on a half-hour delay or something? I think it's 30 minutes, yeah. 30-minute delay, yeah. and I think that's been a big uh, a big boost to it also. You know, remember, these numbers have been inching up, you know, and last year it went up by about, what, 7%, give or take? I think so. 65 to 7%. That's a nice increase in the main event. I mean, we saw the numbers in the Colossus be way down. But I believe the other tournaments throughout the World Series of Poker have either been, you know, similar to last year, and some of them would, you know, adding some uh, six or seven, eight more tournaments <laughs> as they do every year. But I, I, you know, I believe that we're going to see a trend going up. I don't know how high. My guess will be somewhere around seven thousand okay. to seventy-one hundred. And like I said, if it gets over seventy-two. That's that. You, I think you could definitely attribute that to, to online satellites. And we'll continue to uh, promote uh, women in poker, which we always do, because we really feel that's the last frontier of the game. Uh, the numbers have not skyrocketed in the last few years, but uh, uh, we're happy to announce that a good friend of ours, a lady who sat right in that chair... Uh, that you're sitting in now was on the show a few years ago, uh, Jessica Dolly. Can I say I had good karma for her here? Hopefully, you know, can I take can I take a little bit of credit for that? Even though I know that didn't that didn't really help her, but at least it'll help my ego a little bit. Well, yeah, I, I thought uh, <laughs> it, it took four years, but uh, actually it was good karma. But she won the ladies' event over the weekend. I want to talk about that a little bit and a few other things. Uh, so we'll get to that. We do have a special guest, uh, Sherry Bykowski, who was on with us uh, about a month ago, uh, publishing a new book. At the time, the book wasn't out, but it is out now. And I asked Sherry to come back because uh, we certainly didn't just scratch the surface. Uh, Joe loves the book and had it with him uh, for the last month or so till I rested it back from him. Yeah, I I felt like I wanted to keep it so it's my checklist. Uh, And I believe she mentions that in the book, that you should be looking at these things, especially in in the beginning of the book all the different aspects of how to improve your game. Yeah, it's uh, and, continuous uh, improvement. The Kaizen of Poker what it is made, the name of the book. And I'm going to tell you real briefly, and I, hopefully I can discuss this with Sherry, but what it did for me as I started to read it, you know, I've been playing poker for a long time, and we know the game changed, you know, with the moneymaker and how many young people come in and with the Internet. You know, what, what took me, you know, what took me 20 years of experience to kind of learn these young people, because they can multi-table, they have the talent because they've grown up in that age, you know, got 
the amount of hands that it took me to accumulate in 20 years, these guys can accumulate it in, in a year or less. And for the real smart ones, they can, you know, uh, absorb it and, and know how to put it to use. And poker's a, consi- a Dave, you know, poker for me has always been a consistent, you know, learning experience. You know, just when you, just, just like I used to say when you're done, when you were real dumb, when, just when you think you've mastered it, you know, somebody changes the, the you know, how they play the game and you have to adjust to it. And, you know, what I think Sherry's book does, you know, for people like myself, who's not a pro, but has played, I think I'm an experienced poker player, is as I was reading her book, there was a lot of things that I knew, but all of a sudden I had forgotten. Yeah. You know, reading her book, oh my goodness. And, you know, and I believe that's the biggest asset that her book does, especially for people who have done this and for people who are learning the game. This should be a must-read for them, in my opinion, because it starts giving you the ideas and what you have to kind of really go through, you know, that you have to – it's not just one little thing. you got to kind of – not to say master one step, but kind of really understand it before you go to the next and the next and the next. And as you get 10, 12 steps down, Dave – Sometimes you know, you learn something that, oh, it works really good for you for a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months, and then all of a sudden you start trending down as poker, you know, as an up and down yeah, game, the and then all of a sudden you go, what, what am I doing wrong now? And then you go back, you start reading some of this, and you start realizing, man, I forgot to do this part over yeah. here. I, I, I forgot to put this aspect of the game and, and use my talents to, to decipher this. And like I said, for me, it was a great checklist because as I read her book, even with the tournaments at the back, it's, you know, very simple, but yet things that poker players, because like I said, there's so much information to, 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 to gather and to, to work through that, you know, you forget about it. You honestly do. Well, it's a 36, a numbered checklist, 36 different things to ask yourself on the morning after of a session, uh, which is great. Uh, people are learning. People are uh, experienced players. It's great for them as well. We even mentioned people that go to the World Series. You might want to take the book out with you to the series and, and actually uh, Review take a look it at your yeah, room see a few of the things maybe you down. screwed up on. You know, who exactly. knows? When you make it through, but maybe not with as big a stack as you thought you were going to have. Anyway, uh, we'll get to Sherry in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we're looking a little bit at the World Series of Poker here, and later on we'll run down some of the results, but we're happy that Jessica, Jessica Dolly was able to win a bracelet, and we'll get some some of Sherry's thoughts also on women in poker and a couple of things there, too. Uh, Jean-Robert Balland, uh, the uh, fellow who was on uh, Survivor a few years ago and uh, top uh, pro, uh, plays high roller games and, and that sort of thing, but hasn't had that big breakthrough win. Well, now he does. He picked up a bracelet win uh, uh, last night, I guess it was, uh, and also Chance Cornuth who we've had on the show, Cornith, won the uh, High Roller online event, $3,200 buy-in. So um, nice paycheck there for Chance. Phil Galfond won, a, won another bracelet. Uh, some really great, great stories coming out of the series this year. Joey Cooden, who plays down here in a lot of events at the aisle and that sort of thing, he picked up a bracelet. And then, not to mention, Chris Ferguson making final tables, Negranu and Helmuth and and yeah, all those guys. The usual suspects, yeah, as you say, and it's nice because last year we had the pleasure of having a, one of our big favorites, Chris Bullock, win his bracelet last right, year. Right. And, you know, it's nice to see some of these people that we know that have been on our show and people that we followed for years finally get, get a bracelet, you know, and it's, it's like they say, it's uh, like in golf, you know, when you win that first major, when, when, the, when you're, some, you know, an elite player and you finally get that bracelet, 
it kind of just a you know takes a little bit of pressure. Well, off. you mentioned it earlier that uh, maybe there's some good karma that comes out of being on the show because that's been kind of been the case. Uh, we've had a lot of people on and they've gone to uh, to win bracelets and win major tournaments, not because of us, but you know we like to joke about it and say that's part of it. Uh, but uh, we do try to have the top players on in the game and the top authors and the, and the top discussion well, of people who run the games as well. I got to give you the credit for that, Dave, because when the <laughs> November nine was going on. You were able to interview a couple of those players that were, you know, had, you know, November Niners that were coming down here in August and early September to play in some of the Hard Rock tournaments, and you were able to get some of those uh, five, ten-minute interviews with them, and it's amazing how many of them went on to win the main event. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of the main event, a uh, great article by Bernard Lee, another guy who's been on the show many, many times with us. But uh, Bernard has written an article about uh, talking with some of the main event champions. He has access to all those guys all the time and got a, little, a couple of little tips from some of them. So we'll try to introduce some of that later. Tips on uh, doing well in the main event and something to concentrate on, strategies and that sort of thing. So it gets underway on Monday, July 2nd, which is today here as we do the show. But the next three days will uh, be the start of the main event. And I just wanted to mention uh, tonight... Uh, if you're catching the show right away, we have uh, ESPN2 from 5 to 10 p.m. tonight, from 4 to 8 tomorrow night, and then on Wednesday from 5.30 to 9. So there's plenty of coverage of the uh, opening rounds, which I will be watching, and then ESPN and Poker Go kind of alternate coverage uh, throughout the main event, and we'll uh, catch everything up to the final table on July 14th. Well, it's always fun when this thing gets started. So, Sherry's with us, Sherry Bykovsky, and we'll bring her on after this break. We're, you're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll get into our interview with Sherry and some of the show when we return. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you'll stick around for the entire show. We'll be right back after this. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach. But what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on their royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran. His canoe ready, waiting. If only reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. The opening of the World Series of Poker main event uh, starting in the next couple of days here. And we will be uh, keeping an eye on that. Uh, we want to bring our guest on, uh, Sherry Bykovsky. The book uh, has been released called The Kaizen of Poker that she's written, How to Continuously Improve Your Hold'em Game. Kaizen is the Japanese word for 
uh, continuous improvement. And uh, we had her on just a few weeks ago, but uh, we wanted to have her back because we just uh, scratched the surface. And Joe has several things he wants to, to ask her, and I do as well. Uh, Sherry, thanks for taking the time to come back with us again so quickly. I am so delighted to be here. Glad to have you. Um, it's uh, uh, a busy schedule, I'm sure, that you have as a uh, literary agent in the uh, publishing world. Uh, probably don't do all that many poker books, but a few here and there And over the years. I think you've done thousands of books that you've uh, worked on. And Just a, a little background on what you do as a literary agent. Hi. So I'm a literary agent. I represent authors to publishers. When an author sends me a proposal for a book they like, and so many poker authors have, uh, I represent so much more than poker authors, but when I see a book that looks like it will, uh, like I could find a publisher for it, I represent it. It's all on spec. I can't, uh, you can't hire a literary agent, but if it looks good, um, I will sell a book based on a book proposal, which is pretty much a description of the book, the author, the marketing plan, table of contents, and a few chapters. I bring that to the publisher, they make an offer, and then, the, and then they pay the author through me, and I negotiate the contract, and then the author writes the book, and then when the book's acceptable to the publisher, they get paid the rest of the money. Are you involved in the editing of the books, or uh, maybe on some uh, here and there? Not really. No, that, okay. If a book needs a lot of editors, a lot of editing, I usually would send them before they even come to me to try to go to a, an independent uh, editor and just deal with that on their own. That said, if it comes to me and needs some editing, uh, and it's great, but I, I want it to be in the best possible shape before I bring it to a publisher, so I will help them edit the proposal. There's no charge for that. I just work on commission. I get a percentage if I sell the book. And I try to have a pretty good track record with that. I know that you have uh, worked with Phil Hellmuth. Uh, there was a little uh, brief thing. We, I, we mentioned it briefly on the show last week that you actually beat him in a tournament uh, at your business uh, That they, uh, when you published, uh, uh, I guess, Play Like the Pros. But uh, tell us about uh, some of the big books before we get into the poker scene, some of the really interesting stuff that you've uh, worked on as a literary agent and that, that people might recognize. Well, one of the biggest books is The Complete Idiot's Guide to Getting Published that I wrote. <laughs> it's in its fifth edition. And, and, and one of my first books was the New York Public Library Desk Reference. It was a huge bestseller. Um, the books that I've represented that I've sold for like six figures, they may not be books that you heard of, um, but uh, I had one book. Uh, that be would have been a big bestseller that you, <laughs> everyone would have heard of, but the author was supposed to be on six on what, 2020 uh, on September 11th, 2001. Oh, wow. That book is still selling. It's called How to Make People Like You in 90 Seconds or Less. <laughs> um, you had to uh, put that off for uh, several weeks, huh? Uh, yeah, but it's still a great book. It's and um, Cells are the New Cure. Oh, I represent um, Richard Roper. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and he's written uh, books. I, one of his books was called, uh, so many books, it's so hard to come up with the titles. Titles change so often. Um, but one of his books was about gambling, and um, he wrote a book about the uh, Chicago White Sox. And, okay, the, Black uh, Sox, the White Sox scandal back in the early 1900s. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's so hard to like choose a book. There have been literally a thousand. Well, uh, we've mentioned Rich Richard on this show several times because he had a really nice review of Molly's Game, uh, the film that came out uh, earlier this year. Uh, And uh, I know that he is uh, somewhat of a poker uh, fanatic, too. Yeah. He's a great guy. Oh, a lot of his books were on urban legends, all those things you thought were true that aren't true. And I'm hoping he's, he promised me he'd send me a new proposal any minute. I'm excited to uh, find it. Oh, and Leslie Rule. This is my big news in my agency. Um, the daughter of Anne Rule. Anne Rule was one of the biggest crime writers ever. She, she, her first book, she worked with uh, Ted, Ted Bundy. She was working mm. side by side solving crimes with a serial killer who was doing the crimes. And then she discovered it, wrote about him, and became a Big, big best-selling crime writer, but sadly she passed away. But her, da- her daughter, Anne uh, Leslie Rule, I've been representing her for ghost books and books about true angels, true stories of encounters with angels, and she is now very interested. After her mother passed away, she just seems to have become her mother, and she and she's so talented. And we just sold her first uh, uh, crime crime nonfiction uh, story. It'll, it'll probably take over a year to get into the bookstores, but I'm going to be doing international sales for it. And uh, it's called The Tangled Web. Terrific. So I'm excited about that. Interesting stuff. Uh, but let's get back to poker in your book, uh, which is, of course, the reason you're here. And that uh, uh, came out a few weeks ago, right after we did the first show with you. Uh, how has the response been and uh, how are sales so far? I have to ask the publisher about the sales, but I'm I'm trying to do all I can now to do some book signings. I want to do one at the Borgata, they promised me. Um, and uh, I got a new fan from your radio show. Wow. Uh, yeah, a guy named Don Swain wrote to me. He heard me on the show. He had remembered me from from being uh, when I was on with Lou Krieger, my dear friend, passed away, my co-author. Um, but he'd remembered me from an interview on Keep Flopping Aces with Lou. And uh, anyway, he got the book and loved it. And so uh, I am uh, I'm going to send him another copy, an autograph copy. Uh, uh, terrific. Too. Well, shout out to Don if you're listening to tonight's show. We appreciate uh, uh, you following up on that, and I uh, hope you do enjoy the book. Uh, the Kaizen of Poker is the name of it. It, it is out. And uh, I want to ask you briefly, you had mentioned to me that uh, and I'm sure you've dealt with this over the years as a literary agent. I can. Uh, I was thinking on the way over here about the old days of Broadway when a, when a show would open, uh, that the actors and the director and everything would get up the next morning to just eagerly waiting to see what the reviews were on the first day. Uh, but, uh, you know, and they're not always good. You know, there's some people have an agenda. Some people uh, simply don't pay attention to the show or read the book or whatever. But you mentioned to me that uh, someone gave it a negative review because they said it was too basic. And uh, I wanted to ask you about that. I was so disappointed. On June 5th, the actual pub date, I woke up like it was Christmas morning and my birthday. And, oh, wow, this is the publishing day. And I looked on Amazon uh, because that's when books on the pub date, usually that's when the reviews come and the and and the sales and I wanted to see how well it was and I saw the first review one review was one curmudgeonly guy who definitely didn't read the book because he said one star and he said this book is meh meh 
and it's basic. There goes there are a lot of better books out there. And I was like, oh no, because people listen to that and then they they'll look at that review and not even buy the book and even give it a chance because they're going to see a one star total average review because it's one out of one. But um, I knew he didn't read the book because I hope you, uh, you seem to realize it is anything but basic. Right. I deliberately skipped the basics. When I wrote this book, I, I jumped right to intermediate. It's about improving your game at any level, the Kaizen of poker. And it's like, it, is, it doesn't include what beats what. It doesn't include the rules. It doesn't tell you what a flop return a river is. It tells you how to improve and how to how to use the morning after checklist to examine your game and and focus in. It's like professional, like an interactive workbook for you to work on your game with tips and strategies that you're not going to hear anywhere else. All right. So now I'm, you know, now the better reviews are starting to flow in to bring up my one point. Now I'm at three point five. Uh, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll give I'll give you a perfect example of uh, something that uh, someone who doesn't really pay attention or, or delve into it can can just dis- dismiss it right away. When you talk about uh, starting hands, uh, I was looking at that section. And, you know, uh, you got to get into it somehow. And you talk about how uh, there's a big difference between, you know, uh, suited connectors and gapped connectors or gapped cards. And, you know, that's the average player might just read that sentence and say, yeah, tell us something I don't know. But uh, this is very important. And even someone like myself didn't really think about it. Uh, when you take, say, 10-6 versus 10-8, uh, there's a big difference in those two hands because of the hands you can make out of the 10-8 that you can't make out of with the 10-6. So I look forward to uh, to uh, seeing what's going to happen uh, with applying that to my game, and that is to realize the big differences. I just say, think to myself, oh, that's a possible straight. It's true, but really, especially in that section of the book, the idea is if your issue is starting hands seem to be your problem, that's when you would turn to that section of the book and read about the, the different starting hands that might be giving you you personally trouble okay. and start eliminating them. Like if you, st- if you realize, like I did and like several of my students did, that they were calling raises with 10 jack of spades or just 10 jack and they realized that and I realized that I was losing way more with 10 jack, overvaluing it by far, definitely. I stopped calling raises with it. Sometimes it was under the gun. I might have, maybe I'd limp with it, but usually I'm going to, I might even avoid it. I mean, anything below it too. If people limp with queen 10, stop it because it's going to get you in trouble more often than not. It's just, if your game is suffering in any way, if, then you should just kind of revert to the basics yeah, and, and start um, and, and uh, play only the bigger hands. And and but it, that doesn't mean if you don't see yourself with queen ten on the button and everybody limped that you shouldn't make a raise. You can make a raise on the button with any two cards. And of course, as your game comp- improves, you know there's no hard and fast rule about what to start with and what to play. Uh, you know, Joe knows that better than anybody. Sherry, uh, again, love the book, as I told you the last time you were on here. And what I want people to understand who are listening to the show is, you know, I've, you know, I've been playing poker for th- almost 40 years now. And what I loved about your book is, you know, 
as we, as you and I know, and as your great friend Lou Krieger would mention, and, and any of the top poker writers and players, is there are a, an unbelievable amount of different ways to win in poker. Because if poker was just as easy as turning your cards over and the best hand wins, we know that the best hand does not win the percentages that it should because of the way that the style of play. And your book and the different chapters address that. And some of it doesn't even have to do with the cards. And what I think, you know, players, intermittent players, and even players who've been playing for a while, they're, you know, poker's a consistent learning game. You know, you have to, you know, keep up with the nuances of the game as people try to change it up a little bit, their styles. And you address that, like, in one of the one of your chapters, you talk about, you know, kind of pick out the, the, the fish, you know. Uh, uh, if they think that you're, you're, you're a weak player, your opponent's going to start taking advantage of you. You've got to recognize the weak players. That's what I loved about your book. It started addressing a lot of things that I kind of knew because it's part of what you, you know, the, the information that you've gathered while playing for so many years, Sherry. And as you keep learning different things, sometimes, you know, you put this off in the back of your mind and you don't realize, you know, what's this little hole that I've all of a sudden gotten over the last few months that I'm not picking up. And I think that if people read your book, they will be able to see that. You know, if there there are enough, you know, this is not a book for someone who doesn't know the game at all. There's other books for that. This is where you know the basics of the game, and now we're going to take you to the next few steps that you need to do to continually improve and to become a much better player. And I and I believe you address that in almost every chapter. I, I love the way you talk about poker, and I really appreciate how you really seem to be adopting my book and the way I, I wrote it for you to get it. I, I just thought of a few things. I, I wish I was there in in the conversation uh, when you opened this because I made some notes. I wanted to tell you about a, a WSOP strategy I used when I when I won a seed uh, the second time. I also wanted to tell you about the guy I played with last night who was like a character of a player who made it easy for me to to win. Um, and, uh, and, and you made me think about GTO poker. And the other thing you made me think about was that the whole thing is like baking a cake. Like, once you get it all together and it's really you're in the zone and you're playing, it's like you've gotten all the ingredients together for the cake and it finally got baked. But like if you forget the yeast on on a day, like you were saying, if you just forget one thing and things aren't going right, that's why there's a, it's good to look at a morning after checklist because you just can't forget. Like if you start, if you read about bluffing or you find a new strategy to bluff and then you start um, and then you bluff too much and that's just as bad as never bluffing or or just being consistent like as you do things you have to be careful not to become consistent at doing it you have to remain inconsistent unpredictable you have to be the person that they don't know what two cards you're playing or or what what you're up to if you're weak if you're weak you want them to uh fold and if you're strong you want them to call but you want them to do the opposite of what they should do well sherry using your analogy of a cake and i think that's a great one is you know if you've been eating that cake and things have been going so good sometimes you kind of become blind to the taste of it and you don't realize that i'm not putting a certain ingredient in there until things start going really bad and what your book does is you got to go back it's a checklist for you to check all these things off 
you know, and and again, you know, poker players. That's why you wrote the book. I'm assuming, you know, with all the all the information that you've gathered from all the great poker writers that you've been worked with, is that, you know, sometimes you need to go back. You know, I remember when in school that you would say, "Oh, when am I ever going to use this information?" I remember I asked the teacher once. He goes, "It's not a matter that you're going to use it all the time. Matter is to know." To know that when the situation comes up, you can go back, look at something, and then know how to apply what you've been taught in school. And that's how I believe this book is for you. You know that you know this, but for some reason, the people you've been playing with, the situations you've been playing in, that particular essence of the poker, you're, you don't need to use that. Now, all of a sudden, you, other people come into the mix, other players, and you go, why ain't I dominating this like I was? And that's because you're not applying some of the some of the other stuff that you've written in, in your chapter. And along and along those lines, Sherry, it's a 36 point checklist. But certainly, when you run down the list, there's going to be things that you say, "Oh, I'm, I'm okay with that. I did that. Uh, that was fine." Yeah. And pick out the ones that really kind of stand out that you need to work on. I want to tell you about how I decorated that cake. Last <laughs> I went to the World Series, I added something. I realized right before it, the World Series, what one thing can I do to actually improve my game uh, and, and think about? And I realized that when people look at hands that are important, they take a little longer to create their bet. And uh, like, especially someone like me who can play really fast, think on my feet, just fold fast. What, I, can, I can act fast. I can think fast. But sometimes... Um, I might need to, I might need more time to think. So I created a few times when I was thinking, when I paused longer, because I really wanted to win that hand. And I was just, I got in a rhythm. I was playing fast, playing fast, and then I slowed it down just to win the hand. It works like a charm. If you don't do it too much, it's like, if, especially if it looks like an abandoned pot, like no one has too much. If you take that time to just consider it as if you really have to consider something important and then make your bet and carefully size your bet, it's not going to seem like you're just grabbing the pot. It's, it's going to look it's going to look like you're up to something. And it's good to do when you're not really doing it for real. If it, as long as it doesn't come off like Hollywood. So a lot of the stuff you talk about, playing by the book, and, and that's how you develop a, a way to uh, have a sizable edge over other players that uh, might be a little apprehensive about your skills, but uh, you need to constantly mix it up. Uh, you, the great line I thought uh, I saw was, uh, some players never play by the book because they've never read one, so they have little <laughs> idea how to play in various common situations. Um he said, what you, what you do in, uh, in one situation today, a lot of people will repeat it uh, in, in many other situations. So mixing it up is really kind of a basic of the game. Yeah, and, and Sherry, what I want to tell you is, you know, humans are usually creatures of habit. And we're used to, you know, doing things a certain way. And like yes. you just mentioned now, poker's like that. You're not going to change that. You need to change that. And obviously the top world players know how to change that up and one of the hardest things for me as I was playing and I was dominating a certain group of people and as you know poker turns over I started to realize as I started playing more experienced players you know the stuff that I was doing wasn't you know wasn't going over real well with these big guys they were they were picking me off very cleanly and I realized I had to start changing that 
started reading books that tell you on strategy. And some of the advice that I've given people who have asked me, and, I, and I'm not 100% sure if you're justice, but I think if people read your book, they will see that. Not everyone is comfortable playing one, one specific style. We know that we have the crazy maniacs that you know, are very super aggressive. The other ones that they call the nits that play super tight. And then others that call too often instead of raising or folding. You know, there's different styles. And you have to definitely, as, as you mentioned and Dave just said, change up your style of play. Because if you don't, you're never going to be successful for the long term. Okay? But as I've told people, and I don't know if you agree with this, you read you read on, on how these people think about how certain situations, and they are giving you hand situations, how they would play it. And you have to start evolving. Your game you know, has to evolve to the point where, okay, my my nature, you know, my my personality doesn't allow me to play this particular style, but I got to get out of my comfort zone, just for the same reason that you just told that story, because it'll confuse the other players, and yes. you'll get people to call you, you know, when when you want them to call you, and you'll also get people to fold when you want them to fold, and that only comes when you can. You know, people can't get a read on you, and poker players need to understand that that's a big part of the game. You know, and the reason you can figure that out if people started getting a read on you, because in the moment you're usually not going to pick that up. But you know, a lot of the things that you write in your book for for the listeners out there, you go through this and then you start realizing, wow, I didn't do this or I did this. So you know, I was like, a, I was like, you know, you're not using a pun, but I was like an open book. They were able to read me perfectly, and it took me, you know, to change up on that to eventually start getting hands like you just mentioned and to people not you know the very good players are the ones that really get a read on you very quickly to your style of play and if you can't confuse them you're never going to be able to beat these people you know unless you show down the absolute nuts every time and for some reason they're going to know that nine out of ten times well said you must be able to act counterintuitively like you you must be able to force your hand to very convincingly convincingly put in a big bed in the river when you have nothing. Because you have to keep the story going. You start the story that you have something big on the flop and you really want to win. You kind of got to catch on if that person is already committed to to catching you, thinking you're bluffing and they're going to call you down to the river. Or if they're looking on a, if they're looking for a draw and they're calling you because they're on a draw, and once you determine they're calling you because you're on a draw, you have to keep selling it, the flop, the turn, and that river. When you have nothing, it doesn't matter that you have nothing. If they really have nothing, if they're on a draw and they didn't catch their draw, the card that came is not the one they needed. You get a quick read and you have to make a convincing, nice bet. The book is called uh, The Kaizen of Poker. We've got a couple more minutes with Sherry Bykovsky. appreciate uh, you taking the time this, the, today to be with us. Uh, but it is published by ECW Press, and you can go to their website, ecwpress.com, and uh, find out a little bit about it. There's also an e-book, and you can uh, certainly uh, pick up your copy and keep it with you whenever you travel to play poker or just at your homeroom. But uh, one thing I did want to touch on before we go, Sherry, is... Uh, about the women in poker uh, situation, having watched the uh, ladies' event over the weekend and enjoying watching uh, Jessica Dolly win that tournament, uh, I remember uh, reading a, a great section in your book about why women often have an edge, and it's uh, in about the center of the book. But uh, can you talk a little bit about that? That uh, men obviously 
Um, you know, there's a sexual thing where they're looking at women in that way, and it doesn't have to be like that, obviously. But uh, personally, I just like having pretty women at my table and smell good <laughs> rather than the normal uh, uh, guy you find at uh, an afternoon poker game at the at the casino at 2 in the afternoon on a Wednesday. So uh, tell us a little bit about women in, p- in poker, why they should get more into the game, because they can have great success. Yes, they really can. Oh, so much to say uh, <laughs> on several levels. Uh, first of all, women, when you play in a tournament, especially you see it, The women who play, they're very rarely in the middle. They are either the worst players or they are uh, the very, very best players. And the very, very best players, when they are underestimated, they have the opportunity to do even better because they're underestimated. Anyone who's underestimated can take chips from someone who thinks they can outplay them but can't. But the women who are... um, not good, they're usually not good in the same way. They usually are not capable of bluffing. They're usually too tight. If they read a book, they play totally by the book. And they won't, They like women don't like to lie in general. <laughs> they think of bluffing maybe as lying. And, um, and, and, but, but um, when you sit down at the table, it's important to kind of profile people. And if you have never played with a woman before, you haven't seen her every day and you play all the time, then then it's not a bad idea to assume in the start that she's going to play like a typical not good woman. And as soon as she changes uh, that, it, it, I mean, as soon as a woman starts playing, she shows herself to play like more like a guy, um, men don't know what to make of that. Because men are not very good at reading women in general. And so a woman who's really good, who's underestimated, and they can't read, is the most serious threat to their game. And uh, so I would say, how to win a ladies' tournament. I think I should write that book. (laughs) I would start. I would just go into a tournament, a ladies' tournament or any tournament. Let's say I just go into a a regular tournament. I'm going to sit down and try to get the... um, and get the image of a typical lady who's not really good. I don't care. I want you to underestimate me. First of all, I'm going to play too tight. I'm going to um, at least show you that I'm playing tight. I'm going to do everything I can to sell that. And then I'm not going to bluff. If I, if I do a bet pre-flop and I miss the flop, I'm not going to do the continuation bet. I'm going to let you steal a hand from me knowing you're, knowing you're bluffing if it's a small pot. And then I'm going to wait and wait and wait. I'm going to do what I call folding for an hour. And then I'm going to secretly start playing my game. And so basically, it's the same for everybody. I think you should play that way 90% of the time. Play by the book. Play pretty tight. Don't, don't get, a, get a reputation for just being very easy to read, very straightforward, playing ABC poker. And then if you raise, you have something. And then find the opportunities to steal those abandoned pots, to see when somebody's just trying to steal a pot and check-raise them for a lot. Oh, my gosh, I check-raised on the river, and I won a huge pot yesterday. I didn't have anything, and the guy showed me and folded. Yet it was (laughs) – it's just uh, (laughs) – so a woman can use that to her advantage by just learning how to play correctly and not playing like a woman and just keep bamboozling the men. They just don't know – and also, a woman who really plays well, 
other women find it hard to read because they are going to be inconsistent. They aren't going to be easy to read ever. Um, yeah, the only thing that some of the really good women players, they may fall prey to is bluffing too much. That's where I can sometimes get them. I have won a lot of women's tournaments. I have found them easier to win, even though the final table is way, way harder than the final table in, in a, in in a mixed tournament. tournament. Uh, you said you love being underestimated, and uh, you talk about that. It's a great, it's a great book. I, I recommend it for everybody. It's not just for women. It's not just for, for beginners. It's, it's uh, not just for uh, high-level players. It's really for everybody, and you incorporate the checklist into proving your game. Uh, hey, even the great Phil Hellmuth underestimated you one time. Oh, I love that, yeah. He showed me his signature pocket nines and threw him in the muck, and I had queen four. Heads there up you go, Sherry. <laughs> Sherry, let me ask you on a selfish point here. I, I would love to have the, an autographed copy of your book if it's at all possible for you to send me one. That's what, That way I get to keep mine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Please send me your address. I will send it right out. Thank uh, you so much. We Sherry. appreciate the time today. We need to let you go, but uh, what's oh. next? I mean, you're going to have some appearances, you said, maybe at the Borgata, and uh, we certainly will have you back uh, later in the year when we, I have a chance to incorporate some of this into my game, and I'm sure I'll have some more questions for you then. Thank you. I, I, I'll keep you posted, and I would love to, if you can generate some good reviews for me on Amazon. I love your enthusiasm for my book. Thank you so much. I hope it helps you win a million dollars. Well, thank you thank, thank you, you for that. coming on as well. <laughs> but uh, not against me. <laughs> we will talk to you down the road. Good luck with sales and, uh, and everything you do in your, in your literary agent business. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Sherry. That's uh, Sherry Bykowski, the author of the Kaizen of Poker, How to Continuously Improve Your Hold'em Game, published by ECW Press. And uh, it's out there, folks. Uh, pick up a copy, and uh, and when you enjoy it as much as we did, I'm sure you'll want to put oh, out a review on Amazon or wherever. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's take a break. We'll finish up things on the program when we return. Uh, poker Action Line, World Series of Poker getting underway. A few things I want to go over, some results, and uh, what's upcoming out there in, at the Rio in Las Vegas. We'll be back when we return. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. 
We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. World Series of Poker uh, main event starts, and we've been following some of the later events. Uh, Joe, I know that you know you, you're not a big fan of when I just run down winners and stuff like that. Yeah, but <laughs> but uh, but uh, thanks for uh, staying with me on uh, this next section here. Uh, I do want to talk about a couple of people because uh, you know I, f- I found that while there's a lot of new names every year, people who win these events that are up and coming. Uh, maybe having their breakout moment here, we do see a lot of the big names, which we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, come back and, and make their mark again. And that, and that just goes to show that, you know, the true, true, you know, poker is a game of skill. These people come in. And it is, like you said, it is wonderful to hear these stories of some of the people that no one's ever heard of. Now, remember, a lot of the poker world don't know some of these players because... Some of them only play this tournament a year, and they're, ca- they're great cash players, making a great living just playing cash games. But it's also nice, I mean, and, and forgive me because I can't remember the young man who was the dealer that hit that big amount of money that we had him in studio. That remember, oh, uh, uh, Perry Shaw. Perry Shaw, I couldn't remember won his the, name. Won the uh, Monster you know, when Stack. When you hear stories like that, and it's not just because, you know, he's a local guy over here and everything else. But when you hear some of those great stories of people who've been in the industry for a long time as a dealer, as it is, casual player, and then all of a sudden, you know, strikes gold at the main event or wins a, you know, one of these big, you know, World Series of Poker events, it's nice to have those stories mixed in with the pros. I, I think for this to continually succeed, people need to know that there's a standard of players. There's there's a group of 20, 30, 40 players that, you know. They're going to be in most of these tournaments, and when you beat one of those and you make it to a final table and you, you know, you've played alongside these people, I think that's part of the thrill besides obviously winning and the amount of money. It's knowing that you've been able to compete against some of these great players right, that, right. that you constantly see on TV and you see them cashing for millions of dollars right. every couple of months. Well, in my role as, uh, as a, uh, the South Florida ambassador, in quotes, <laughs> for uh, Annie Up Magazine, uh, I do a monthly column on the South Florida scene and the players. And uh, some of these guys I run into a lot of these tournaments has done very well out there. Uh, Joey Cooden is one who plays in a lot of these events down there. Originally he's from Ohio, but he lives down here now. He won the uh, 1500 Pot Limit Omaha High Low Eight or Better tournament uh, with some big names. Uh, Elia Lesra finished third. Mike Matisau was fourth. And uh, Daniel Negrano also made that final table. But Cooden outlasted them all to win that tournament and collect uh, 244000 Uh The $10,000 Raz tournament was won by Calvin Anderson. Uh, he defeated Frank Casella head-to-head. Frank, uh, when we first started the doing this show, he was player there. Yeah, exactly. When we first started doing the show, Mike Leo also was at that final table, and Jerry Wong, who is a, a local down here, former November Niner yeah. that lives down now here. Now, think about it. You're one of these guys that, that, you know, you can be a great poker player, but you haven't beaten anybody, and then all of a sudden you win this, and you tell your friends, look at the lineup that I had to beat. 
Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, Eli, Eli was one of the, you know, many, I hadn't heard his name recently, but Mike Matisau, Daniel Negrano, Hall of Famer there. Mike Matisau, which will eventually become a Hall of Fame poker player. You know, you sit there and you go, look at these other guys that I beat. You can go back and get old card player and other, other old, you know, Poker Bluff magazine and show people, look, these, look at the articles they've written on these great poker players, and I was able to take them all down in this one tournament. Right. The, the ladies' event, which we mentioned, Jessica Dolly, the winner. Uh, of course, that's a $10,000 tournament, but only $1,000 for the women, which keeps uh, most men out of it. I don't know if there were any men that tried to play this year, but uh, you've got to pay ten times as much if you're a man getting in that tournament. Uh, but Jessica, Jessica won the tournament. And a uh, nice deep run by Danielle Anderson, D. Moon Girl, who we've had on the show before. And uh, second place went to Jill Pike. Lisa Fong was third, very interesting player. And Misha James, did an up-and-coming young player from Los Angeles. Did it, I, I don't know if you mentioned it and I didn't hear it, but uh, how many entries were 696. There? I oh, did want to mention nice. that. A nice turnout of, and great turnout. And uh, let's hope that we get more than the 3 or 4% women in the main this year. Yeah, I, I really, like you said, last frontier, like like you've mentioned many times, I, we need that. But I, I think that that change is going to come, as as Sherry mentioned, there's a big, you know, between the women is you either have them very, very, very good players or novices, and... I don't, you know, I don't know if they're egos like men because you know they're not. They don't have that 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 ego. Yeah, they don't exactly. like that confrontation that occurs way too many times on poker tables. Uh, the aggressiveness. Uh, and of hopefully, the men. some of that stuff is going away. It, it is. Poker rooms need to change that up, and and hopefully, poker room managers, you know, around around the, the country, are are making the changes that are needed to encourage these women to play, to learn the game like like men had to do. You know, and 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 not only learn the game, but have an enjoyable experience. Yeah, That's absolutely. The biggest thing, in, in my opinion. We mentioned Jean Robert Blonde. He won uh, event 58, which was the $5,000 six max no limit hold'em event, and he held on to win that one. The former Survivor contestant. Uh, event 59 was the $1,000 no limit super turbo won by Mike Takayama. And uh, Matthew Smith, of uh, he's from Tallahassee. There's also a Matthew Smith here that made a final table. A uh, local player made his first final table, so th- don't get those two confused, but they are confused a lot on uh, Twitter. But uh, Matthew Smith finished third in that one, uh, the one from Tallahassee. A former million-dollar winner, by the way, on DraftKings. So, mm. so pretty amazing. Uh, Phil Galfond, I mentioned, uh, also won an event. Uh, he defeated... Uh, a Tough final table, table that included David O.D.B. Baker, Marco Johnson, and others. He won the PLO 8 championship. And Chance Corneth, I mentioned, won the uh, Super High Roller on online tournament. Jeremy Perrin won the Giant, which is a tournament that has an interesting feature of having the opening days on consecutive Friday, four consecutive Fridays before they merge into their day two. So that's a, a really a series-long event. He won that one, winning 250000 there. So uh, that's a few of the results. And, of course, uh, we'll be looking at the main uh, as we come here. Uh, we're running down on time. We do need to take one last break, so we'll do that. As we finish up, once again, our thanks to Sherry Bykowski, author of The Kaizen of Poker, available on uh, ECW Press. And we'll return to finish things up when we come back. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. 
This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. This is the final segment of the program, another edition of Poker Action Line. We come to you from South Florida every week. We hope you'll join us. Check us out on iTunes and, and uh, write a review of the show. That's what it would be one of the things that would really help us out a lot. Uh, unless you don't like the show, of course, then don't don't bother. But uh, <laughs> we certainly need the uh, encouragement and the uh, the publicity, obviously, on the show. But uh, uh, we hope you'll enjoy it every week. I'm working on a lot of great guests, uh, not just authors, but uh, big name players. There'll be people coming back from uh, Las Vegas, and we'll we'll meet up with them at the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, which starts August second uh, through the 14th, and uh, that will be another huge tournament as that hotel at the Hard Rock continues to go up. I saw some people running it down. I, I didn't really understand that, that that was just a monstrosity and, and horrible for this area. The great big guitar hotel uh, is is a beauty, and you can see it from anywhere, and I think uh, it's going to be a uh, uh, an icon for years to come in South Florida. Yeah, they're, they're crying all the way to the bank with the amount of money they're making there, and like I said, for South Florida, I think it's exactly like you, Dave. I think it's nice. Listen, there there are people out there, no matter what you do, Dave, that just love to tear people down. Uh, the the aisle is still uh, plugging along with some real nice tournaments with the new uh, director over there, Ken Lambert, in place, uh, former Vegas uh, icon and also Tunica and some other places in uh, Mississippi. He is uh, trying a few new things over there, and they have their Florida State Poker Championship, which starts in July. So check out their website and uh, play there because a lot of people will be coming back from the main event and jumping right into that, and you'll be able to get some uh, great stories at your table, I'm sure, of what's happening out in <laughs> Vegas. Uh, the Poker Central uh, uh, purchased the PPA, the Poker Players Alliance, which looked like it was heading under. They couldn't get the uh, the money coming in from uh, a lot of sponsors. They tried even a, uh, uh, a funding attempt from uh, individual donations from listeners and, and people who have been members over the years that didn't work out so well. But um, they will uh, 
they will be taking off with a new name called Just the Poker Alliance, and so I'm sure we'll see plenty of stuff from them as they try to get established uh, with new leadership. Um, John Pappas stepped down back in February, and uh, Rich Muni was still around, and they both will be around for a little while on the board of directors, so we'll have a nice transition there, and we will have someone from that group on the show pretty soon. Uh, also, uh, a Women's Poker Association has been started to... Uh, Further female involvement with the game, which we talked about er earlier. Lupe uh, Soto is involved with that, and uh, we will maybe try to get someone on from that program, from that uh, establishment as well. Uh, I mentioned Pennsylvania getting off to a slow start. Uh, we'll still hope that some of the legislation takes off with the uh, sports betting bill, uh, really increasing awareness there. Maybe not bringing online poker along with it, but certainly can't hurt in the long run. Yeah, uh, like you said, it's definitely not going to hurt in the long run. If they start showing success with online betting, eventually they'll get on with that online poker. And, uh, you know, when you mentioned at the beginning of the show the, the high taxes that they wanted to, uh, that's what Jeb Bush did here because he didn't want he didn't want uh, Broward and Dade to have the slot machines, and he, he imposed a 50% tax yeah. on revenue. Just whatever the number was at the end of the night, 50% went to the state. From that other 50%, people had to use, you know, pay their operating costs and their and their labor force, and it was just ridiculous. That's why Dania, the the uh, Boyd Gaming, decided to step away because they never expected that kind of thing. Yeah, and exactly. They lowered it to 35% a few years later. By the way, they have a Friday night tournament now. That was always a big night for them. Many that was years. a hundred dollar buy-in, and they have it back again, and they're doing very well. They're packing the room on Friday night. Let me tell you, people wanted that. They went to that free roll, which yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, the first few times, and they had great success with that. But you got to kind of realize. Mardi Gras was closed because of the hurricane when they started all of this. By the way, so you're getting their players. By the way, just as we finish here, uh, I Nelson Rose, who is a great uh, gambling writer over the years, uh, evaluating the legal aspects of gaming and that sort of thing. He believes internet poker is going to see a real boom over the next few years, and I think we will as well. So we'll talk more about that story again next week. That's going to do it for the show. Um, Joe, thank you for uh, making the trek up uh, through bad traffic. Uh, well, it, it was only a short <laughs> it was only a short span, but there's no way to get out of it. But I got here. And and Joe Costello, thank you for stepping in thank and you, running Joe. the show tonight. We do appreciate that as well. We'll be back with some of the early results from the uh, World Series of Poker. Obviously, it uh, lasts about 12 days, so uh, we will be in the middle of it next week. But we'll update you on who's leading and who's. Uh, on the up and come. So we'll, we'll uh, be back and talk about that next week with more on the show. Again, thanks to Sherry Bykowski, and we'll have more guests for you over the next few weeks. Thanks for being with us, and that's going to do it for tonight's edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 